Previously on Sequel Decay. Okay, okay, we're d- so we're done talking about Watchmen. Let's let's uh let's talk about the last thing on our list, which is um you know where we see the franchise going and Alan Moore. I'll tell you right now, it shouldn't. It sh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There like, you go. Where should the franchise go? It shouldn't. to another episode of some bad news the show where we i guess we're just negative about shit is that is that like the whole premise for this (laughs) yeah that's kind of weak (laughs) (laughs) i feel like we should balance it out at the end by giving like a tidbit of positivity then i thought like yeah we could just call the segment some good oh wait never mind (laughs) (laughs) we're really chasing that emmy folks (laughs) It's as good as ours. When is the ceremony? Um, I don't care. Hey, you know what? I don't really care either. I yeah, can't... let's uh, let's move on. I can't remember the last time anybody on this on this planet cared about the Emmys. Anyway, we have a couple pieces of uh, news to, I guess, pontificate on today. And the first one is kind of a nice little bookend to, uh, I believe we just released our last Watchmen episode. So go watch that. Listen. Oh, fuck. Go listen to (laughs) Rounding right into mid-podcast form over here. Lo and behold, after that episode comes out, or or while we're working on it, I don't remember the exact timeline, 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 it's announced that there is going to be a Rorschach miniseries developed by DC, uh, written by Tom King. Uh, so th- I, th- I think in once on one hand, this will serve as a nice little bookend to our, uh, our, uh, our episode where we just kind of say, yep, we told you so. And on another hand, it, there's a lot of other weird drama surrounding it that like is kind of sorted. And I guess we'll get into that too. I, since Doomsday Clock came out, th- I, I, look, I don't really follow anything that DC has done regarding to Watchmen. I only basically know what I know from news reports and shit. But I guess they've tried to incorporate Watchmen into a lot more of their stuff since uh, since Doomsday Clock. Like, I think they I think they've like sort of incorporated Doctor Manhattan into Batman somehow. I don't know in what capacity. I don't know if it's any good. It's probably not. But anyway, so they've announced that there's going to be a Rorsh- a Rorschach series. Uh, written by Tom King, who um, we'll get into in a second. But uh, Chris, do you want to give us the uh, plot synopsis for this Rorschach solo series that the kids were just clamoring for, just just getting in all on all all fours and begging Daddy DC for? Yeah, I don't really want to fucking read the synopsis, but sure, I'll just um, I'll do it. You're a real trooper, kid. Yeah, this news release came out the week before we dropped Watchmen Part Two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read this entire press release from DC. Okay. Tom King and Jorge Fornes present a new vision of one of the most riveting characters from Watchmen. 
Rorschach. Yeah. Rorschach may have spoken truth, but he wasn't a hero. Well, they got one thing right. Congratulations, he did the bare minimum. Uh, set 35 years after Dr. Manhattan turned Rorschach to dust, new DC-12 issue maxi-series begins Tuesday, October 13th. All right, awesome. So I guess it's is it, so it's it's like a prequel series. No, <laughs> I don't know. Here, let's uh, let's continue on. Let's dive real deep into that synopsis since that's what you asked for. It's been 35 years since Ozymandias was exposed for dropping a giant telepathic squid on New York City, killing thousands and ending the public's trust in heroes once and for all. The Minutemen are gone; only their memory lives on. But it has been 35 years. Especially the infamy of Rorschach, who has become a cultural icon since Doctor Manhattan turned him to dust. Once again, Rorschach may have spoken truth, but he wasn't a hero. All right, cool. I want some, like, just the way that they wrote that, like, Rorschach may have spoken truth. I just want some, like, fascists on Twitter just to scream, yeah, Rorschach, speak your truth. <laughs> like, I need, like, a 2000s movie trailer remake of Watchmen where it's like, Rorschach may have spoken the truth, but he wasn't a hero. <laughs> Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh. Um, well, sh Shadow the Hedgehog bullshit. Like you mentioned, like this comic is not coming out till October, so we can't no. really make a definitive statement on its quality. Although I'm not optimistic, but like it does neatly underline basically everything we talked about at the end of our second Watchmen episode, where like DC is now apparently just determined to milk the shit out of something that was never really meant to be anything other than itself. Rorschach especially got all the development he needed in the original comic book. Like, there is there is nothing left in his story to tell. Like, I don't know if no. Tom King has a very specific vision for it, and, like, I'm not going to say he's not allowed to do anything with it, but I'm just saying, like, DC's, DC's pushing him not only this, but, like, other Watchmen shit. Like, it, it's depressing, I guess. It's... Mm -hmm it's it's a cash grab like there's no other way to put it i guess it's it's fucking cynical is what it is yeah like, at this point i mean if if before watchmen and doomsday clock didn't give you the impression that dc's just like cynically doing this that's the thing like before watchmen like at least when that came out which i think was around uh when the movie came out right a couple years after okay so like at that point like there was like a gap in between before watchmen and anything else watchmen coming out so at least you just it was just like oh you have the watchmen comic you have the watchmen movie and you have before watchmen which everybody just kind of ignores and yeah. that was it for a while but now that um uh, now i guess i guess because of doomsday clock and I guess because of the HBO series, DC has kind of... It, it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of in the 90s when um, Marvel decided that, oh, wow, X-Men was our, was really popular in the 80s. So what we need to do is we need to make like 80 X-Men comics, like 80 different series, and just flood the market with X-Men. And we'll see how that turns out. And then they go bankrupt <laughs> because they've oversaturated the market and have fucked themselves out of like any sort of relevance artistically or financially it reminds me of that like i don't think this is necessarily going to be to the same scale because i think dc is probably a little bit smarter than 90s marvel but it does give me shades of 90s marvel yeah no i i think they're i think they're absolutely trying to oversaturate the market with Watchmen. I mean, Doomsday Clock did really well. The HBO series has done really well for itself. There's a lot of nostalgia for the movie. Yeah. Like, actually quite a bit. 
I think the Pretty mainstream much. opinion on it is like definitely mixed, but maybe even mixed to positive at this point. I I would say a little more than mixed to positive at this point. Like people, some people really go to bat for it. Oh yeah, and like fair enough. It's not the most offensive thing to come out of like Watchmen media, and we've no. said that already. No, like far from it. It doesn't. Fact. It doesn't work for us. Like it's not no. our favorite thing in the world. But I mean, to be again. I don't know if I really mentioned this on the show, but like for what it tried to do, it did, it did literally the best it could. Yeah. It did the best it could within its limitations, which were, I will, I will reinstate my opinion too much limitations for it to be actually be good, but it did its best within those constraints. Yeah. Like I would say, cause I think I said like more like a soft recommendation, middle of the road. I don't I remember. Soft recommendation. I think you want soft recommendation for the uh, director's cut. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, someone's going to go back and re-listen to our Watchmen episode. Actually, you said it was All those sequel decay nerds out there who really want us to maintain a consistent canon. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> and even then, you oh. don't want a consistent canon. It's fine. No, who cares? it's like, no. Like, who gives who gives a shit? Like, I'm fine with us being like a high-concept sci-fi abstract piece that basically just uses whatever canon is convenient in its moment like that's that's the kind of art that i want to create here at sequel decay like honestly i think the only canon i actually want is a canon to shoot me into the fucking wall and have my brains explode god isn't that just the dream my penis tingles just thinking about it honestly <laughs> boy i do enjoy love masturbating to blunt trauma that is maybe the most dangerous thing i've ever said <laughs> we were talking about watchmen at one point um anyway so ultimately yeah with with the limitations that <laughs> watchmen had mm. i i think that yeah like it's as a movie on its own and i think we said this it's fine honestly if i hadn't read the book probably would have liked the theatrical cut too I have problems with the theatrical cut that go beyond just, like, it being a Watchmen thing, but I think, like, a lot of my problems with it would have been alleviated if there wasn't a book. If it was just an idea that Zack Snyder had by by himself. Um, but then again, that also could have resulted in a sucker punch, so, like, who who knows? Ooh, right. Because I think, like, if I, we might have mentioned this at some point, but the only original IP that Zack Snyder has directed is Sucker Punch, right? Guard Legend of the Guardians is based on a book, right? Yeah, yeah, it's based on a book series. Yeah, I think I think that's it. The others are based on comic books or, uh, I, I guess, Dawn of the Dead. Um, is a remake. Is a remake. Yeah. And Guardians is based on a book. So, like, his only original IP is uh, Sucker Punch. Which isn't to say, like, he's not a creative person. It's, it's just that, you know, it, there is something to be said for having original material to base something off of. We really fucking derailed. <laughs> yeah, we really derailed, but fuck it. This is, this is what the people pay for, baby. This is the content they crave. Jesus uh, Christ. At some point, we're going to finish this Rorschach synopsis. How about now? Um, <laughs> so, Tom King is quoted as saying... Like the HBO Watchmen show, and very much like the original '86 Watchmen. Ooh, buddy. Oh boy, big. Ooh, that, it's it's. It, big ooh, you're getting you're getting gawky. You're um, playing with fire. Uh, much like those, this is a very political work, says Tom King, the former CIA officer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's an angry work, says Tom King, the former CIA officer. <laughs> We're so angry all the time now, says Tom King, the former CIA officer. We have to do something with that anger, says Tom King, the former CIA officer. <laughs> okay, that last that last part is kind of ominous. <laughs>
It's called Warshack, not because of the character Warshack, but because what you see in these characters tells you more about yourself than about them, said Tom King, the former CIA officer. <laughs> I'm scared of Tom King now. Is that all Tom King, former CIA officer, has to say about it? Yep. Okay, so here's the thing about Tom King, former CIA officer. With that said, Tom King, former CIA officer, pretty damn good at writing comic books. Like, I'm looking at my shelf right now. I have Omega Men, which is actually a really good kind of book on revolution and terrorism. Like, it's not incredible in a political sense, but it's a it's a it's a good read. Uh, and his vision mm -hmm. his vision miniseries is one of my favorite comics from the last five years or so. And he's done a bunch of other stuff too. Uh, Sheriff of Babylon is supposed to be good, but I haven't I haven't read it. I, I, his Mister Miracle series I've been meaning to get around to forever. He's also done uh, a run on Batman that just ended recently that um you know was not super well received. Uh, and then DC kind of cut his time short, so he like had to wrap up his story and gave it a really rushed ending. Uh, I can't speak to its quality because I'm I, I'm still working through those comics myself but like it's not a fantastic run it has its moments but it's not great then they give him a rorschach series and like i mean it's like we said before like there's no reason to have faith that this is gonna be good just because you're taking characters that their story is over and like foisting a new one onto onto them like there's i have no optimism for this i i don't either but let's get through this we're almost there anyway so for those of you who forgot about the synopsis from earlier because i guess dc when they were doing this press release, kind of started it and then dropped it and then picked it up again. I'm going to go back three paragraphs <laughs> so we can start again. Yeah, go for it. It's been 35 years since Ozymandias was exposed for dropping a giant telepathic squid on New York City, killing thousands and ending the public trusting heroes once and for all. The minute men are gone, only their memory lives on. That rhymes. Especially the infamy of Rorschach, who has become a cultural icon since Dark Manhattan turned into dust. This is where we find out that DC wants Rorschach to speak his truth but not be a hero. And then there's the quote from Tom King, former CIA officer. Mm. Then we get back to the synopsis. Jesus Christ, DC. Um, a really poorly formatted synopsis. Oh, yeah. So what does it mean when Rorschach reappears as part of a pair of assassins trying to kill the first candidate to oppose President Robert Redford in decades? Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, fuck. Did you guys hear, like, my heart sink as I read that? Good? Good. I think, it, um, I, I, think I audibly heard the moment where your heart split in two. <laughs> Um, it's, like, it's like the Simpsons bit where Ralph, where yeah, yeah, with Ralph Wiggum, yeah, it's that, but in but in audible form. Follow one determined detective as he walks. Oh Jesus, fuck! Backwards in time, uncovering the identities and motives of the would-be killers, taking him deep into a dark conspiracy of. Oh fuck! I have to read this. Go on. Uh, hold on. Let me just get a shot of whiskey. <laughs> I'm sorry. I need a drink for this. Holy shit. I got a shot of whiskey. All right, read. Just read. Just read it. Just get it over with. <sighs> Taking him deep into a dark conspiracy of... <sighs> alien invasions, disgraced do-gooders, mystical visions, and yes, comic books. I hate this so fucking much. Oh my god. <laughs> I did... Like, before I was like, you know what, I don't agree with this, but, like, there's no reason for me to believe it will be of poor quality. I just really hate that it exists. Now I hate it. 
I don't need to read Go- it. I know this sucks. <laughs> this is fucking awful. Holy shit. Fuck that. You know what this reminds me of? What? This reminds me of the book, The Armageddon Rag by George R. R. Martin. Oh, you've told me about this before. Yeah. It's uh it's a fun. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find the uh here's the plot synopsis for the un the Armageddon Rag. It's a book by George R. R. Martin before Game of Thrones. One time underground journalist Sandy Blair has come a long way from his radical roots in the 60s until something unexpectedly draws him back. The bizarre and brutal murder of a rock performer who made millions with a band called the Nazgul. Now as Sandy sets out to investigate the crime, he finds himself drawn back into his own past, a magical mystery tour of the pent-up passions of his generation. For a new messiah has resurrected the Nazgul, and the mad new rhythm may be more than anyone bargained for. A requiem of demonism, mind control, and death. His apocalyptic tune only Sandy may be able to change in time before everyone follows the beat. Like, it just kind of has that same vibe to it of like, yeah, oh man, as he digs. It it, it kind of gives me that like batshit noir vibe, which... It, it sounds like Under the Silver Lake, but bad. Yeah, the subgenre we call batshit noir. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we got our opinions of uh, the Rorschach miniseries out before we even learned the full extent of its plot, because, man, do I ever feel vindicated in my previous opinion now. Oh, yeah, it comes out October 13th, if you care to read it. I'm probably going to give it a go. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Um, I kind of want to see how bad it gets, Mm -hmm. but it's uh, going to have DC's Black Label descriptor. Oh, good. Because... uh, Apparently, uh, Rorschach's not for children or something. <laughs> who would have thought? Who, who knew? Um, <laughs> Personally, I let my five-year-old read Watchmen. I was shocked that they did not have a black label to show me that this was for adults. So, um, the book will retail for four ninety-nine with cardstock cover artwork, which I actually really like, by the way. The um, like Fornes's uh, cover art looks incredible. Oh no, yeah, Fornes is a, he's a great artist. Oh yeah, my my yeah. problems with this rest entirely on. I guess Tom King's idea for it. Well, Tom King and, and DC and DC and DC. Um, speaking of Tom King, though, before before I think we finish writing with this, he didn't really endear himself to anybody as just being a humble former CIA officer with a bad idea for a comic oh, book. Uh, I was going to get to that because don't forget about the variant cover by Jay Lee. Finish what you were saying. Yeah. Uh. So Jay Lee did a very it did a variant cover for I think issue one, and it's it's good. Jay Lee's a really good artist. I guess Jay Lee in the past did a bunch of covers or art for um books by Ethan Van Skyver or Shiver. Van Shiver is a is a gamer gator. Not not a gamer gator. A comic skater. Comic skater. There you go. Uh, and like Gamergate, it's, it's exactly what you think. It's essentially just, uh, a bunch of dudes who harass women and queer people and racial minorities in the comic book industry. It's exactly what it sounds like. And Van Skyver was part of that. He's, he's, a, he's a real scumbag. I think at this point he's kind of been blackballed from the comic industry, but I would need to look up, look up to be sure. But in the past, Jay Lee was, uh, had, had done art for him, for his books anyway. I want, I want to point out, like, it's not, it's not necessarily that, like, Jay Lee, like, sought out these books although that might that very well might have been the case or van skyver sought him out it could just be that he was assigned them by dc that very well could have happened but anyway tom king former cia agent officer i don't know what he actually did but i'm sure it was awful uh, uh, he was part of. He was uh, actually part of the uh counterterrorism agency um after september 11th peak evil anyway so he essentially goes on like a call out rant about jay lee doing art for one of his books it direct it ends up directing a bunch of like online dipshits with nothing to do to like harass jay lee like right when i guess he and his wife are like burying their family dog or something oh 
Yeah, uh, and I guess Jay Lee has like no social media presence. Like he had none. He has, I, I mean, obviously he has an Instagram, but I think that was mostly for like posting pictures of his dog or something or his art. He literally had no idea about Comicsgate, like literally no idea. Uh, so basically this like online, mo online mob kind of went his way and harassed him during one of the most vulnerable weekends of his life. And then, and then Tom King says like, oh, don't worry. I like, I like reached out to Jay Lee and we hashed it out. Apparently he didn't know. It's all good. It's okay. And then like Jay Lee just makes a post on Instagram saying like, no, it's not okay. <laughs> you don't you don't get to determine that please don't talk to me again and leave me alone which a boy is that a mood b wow that really does not paint a favorable image of tom king <sighs> like there's not really much to say about it other than like man tom king former cia agent has reasons to not be like besides being a former cia agent yeah like how hard is it to just give someone a fucking phone call before you blast them on twitter yeah, exactly. Like, clearly they had some some kind of prior contact, I imagine. Like, once you get to Marvel or DC, Marvel or DC levels of comic creation, like, you're, you're, you, you have easy ways of getting in contact with, like, a big writer or a big artist or a big editor or inker. Like, it's very easy. <laughs> Tom King, holy shit, did he fuck that up. Oh, yeah. Like, there, there is no reason he should have... Like, I, I, and Tom King is, like, also one of those, like, super cringy, like, from what I've seen of his so Twitter account, like, I think I followed him and then forgot I followed him, and then I looked into it for now, but he seems like one of those really cringy resistance liberal types now, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I'm sure he subconsciously did it for some kind of social media clout, and then, like, maybe didn't realize that, oh, this will probably really fucking ruin Jay Lee's week, and now, oh, if uh, not his fucking career. Yeah, I, I think his career will be fine, honestly, just because it's so clear that Tom King is in the wrong. Uh, no, 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 no. Like, I mean, like, if this didn't resolve the way it resolved. Oh, yeah. This could have really fucked him up. I guess if Jay Lee, like, immediately kind of just withdrawn and, like, kind of let Tom King control the narrative, I think this maybe could have damaged his career. But I think the way he, like, A, he got kind of got in front of it by saying he had no idea. B, Tom King himself said that Lee had no idea. So, like, I think his career will be fine in that sense that it's very clear that he's not a comic skater. Yeah. Uh, but it's just a really shitty situation. And really, at the end of the day, folks, between accidentally doing art or being forced to do commission art for Comicsgate or willingly joining the CIA counterterrorism unit after 9-11. Mm -hmm. Which one sounds worse to you? Yeah. Well, I guess we'll, that's, a, that's as good a point as any to just leave that. We'll just leave that hanging in the air and let the, let the public decide, I guess. Like, should we go on Twitter right now and try to cancel Tom King because he was in the CIA counterterrorism unit willingly? I think we should post 9-11. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, the, I mean it would be a massive waste of our time, but like that is a it bad would be thing massive. to do. You should find the original tweet and retweet it, and just be like, "You were part of the CIA counterterrorism unit post 9/11." Like, fucking shut up. Yeah, like we want to talk about racism. Yeah, like Jesus. There's so we could go deep into that rabbit hole and just. Oh yeah. But I, I don't think we, I don't think we should just because of a time and b we have better things to do. It's all out there. Like Tom King is very open about be, having been in a in the CIA during a particularly vile part of the CIA's history, as if as if every part of the CIA's history isn't vile. The only part of the CIA's history that isn't vile would be the time when the Agent Cody Banks movies came out. Exactly, Agent Cody Banks, the only good agent of imperialism. Uh. <laughs> 
And with that in mind, um, we're going to take a short break. But first, let's get the weather report from our friend, Kyra Palalik. Kyra? Is it still called hedonism if I just want to feel something? Is it still called hedonism if I just want to feel something? Is it still called hedonism if I just want to feel something? Is it still called hedonism if you're just trying to feel something? Thanks, Kyra. We'll be back with some more bad news after this brief message from our sponsor. And then all I see are just a bunch of bubbles coming down from the sky. Oh, weird. Wait, am I fucking high right now? Hi, welcome back to some bad news. Now it's time to get the sports report from our friend Tim Ralph. Tim? When I was a kid, my childhood best friend once told me that his grandpa had a hair that grew out of his eyeball. He had to get it surgically removed. Hey, that's great, Tim. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Dodgers game that happened on Sunday night? One time a friend and I... Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. We're sitting at a table in Millennium Place. And, uh, he takes out his Slurpee and he takes out his bag of Cheetos and he just starts dipping the Cheetos in the Slurpee, one after another, slowly, methodically. And have you ever dipped a Cheeto in a Slurpee? No, Tim, I haven't, but I did watch the fucking Dodgers game. Me neither. It's, that's, that's disgusting. Okay, so... So what's, what's the point of this story, Tim? I haven't spoken to him since. All right, that, that, that's enough. That's, that's enough. Thanks, thanks, Tim. We're, we're just gonna, we're just gonna move on now. Let's talk about our second piece of news today. Fucking Tenet. We, the movie uh, event of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, the movie that's gonna bring, uh, bring all us plebs flocking out of our homes out of quarantine into the streets just rejoicing at christopher nolan's genius as we flock into a movie theater watch a movie that is probably going to be pretty good and then go back home and immediately die of coronavirus sometime last week and by sometime last week i mean a few days ago um it was reported that christopher nolan's tenet was being taken off the release schedule completely for warner brothers and is being delayed was being delayed indefinitely this morning because we're recording this on monday this morning it's now being announced that it's going to be released on october 26th in a bunch of different countries internationally august 27th here in canada and a bunch of other countries internationally before eventually getting a release on the labor day weekend in the united states so that's October 26th, 27th, uh, outside of the States, and Labor Day August. weekend. A August, right. Yeah. I don't know why I said October. October 20... Fuck. August 26th and 27th, outside of the States, Labor Day weekend in the States. Yeah. Uh, and this is after, like, it's been delayed, I think, three times? This would be... Okay, so it was supposed to come out july 17th mm -hmm. which it, it clearly made its mark it's 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 in theaters now yeah yeah clearly, clearly. <laughs> of course yeah so it was supposed to come out july 17th then it got delayed to i think july 31st mm -hmm. where it's now being delayed until it was supposed that was supposed to come out august 12th and now it's apparently still coming out this year this is also after reports that every time that it gets delayed it costs uh warner brothers i think it's warner brothers 200 million dollars in marketing which frankly i find hard kind of hard to believe 
But if that number is true, it doesn't really matter when this movie is coming out, does it? Like, it's going to do really badly. Oh, yeah, because I think you had told me earlier that it's supposed to make $800 million in order to break even at this point. Yes, uh, that's what I think it was IndieWire reported. Tenet needs to make $800 million, and if it got delayed again, it might be more, in order to break even. And that sounds kind of unbelievable, but if it's true... That's impossible. Well, not impossible. Yeah. That is so unlikely to happen. Because Christopher uh-huh. Nolan has his audience, right? Like, he's got a very... He's got a big fan base. He's one of the most well-known directors out there. I'm never going to take that away from him. Oh, yeah. But he does not... Like, the only movies that can, like, easily count on making $800 million are, like, Star Wars and Avengers. And even then, only the most high-profile of those. Uh-huh. Because Inception made just over $800 million, but it also didn't cost as much. Um, Dark Knight Rises made just over a billion. But Dark Knight Rises also had the benefit of being a Batman. Interstellar um, made under $700 million. And Dunkirk made just over $500 million. So, like, that's that's a chunk of change. He, he, he rakes in cash. Don't get me wrong. There is no guarantee that it makes $800 million. Especially if, if, like, not every theater is showing it. If they're releasing internationally, I guess the big markets they would be depending on are uh, China. Although I don't think China has been confirmed yet. They haven't been confirmed yet for a release. Canada, but, yeah. Canada, like, it might not, like, Canada is going to be weird because, like, Canada, I think they're depending on, like, the big markets like Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal. And they might do uh-huh. well in Vancouver, but Toronto and Montreal are getting hit extremely hard. Edmonton and Calgary cases are rising. Like, the biggest cities in Canada, aside from Vancouver and maybe Halifax, like, they're not doing great. No, uh, like, we're, so... are we doing better than the States? Yes. Is that comparing two turds and saying which one smells better? Yes. Yeah, yeah. As for the states, like, I know some states are doing better than others, but I think they're all seeing a general increase in cases right now. Uh, Gee, I wonder who you can blame for that. Yeah, I wonder. And even Europe. The cases are still going up in Europe, so I don't see any possible way for Tenet to make $800 million. Yeah, like, you and I have said it to each other, like, millions of times. Like, neither of us are going back to a movie theater anytime soon. No, definitely not. There is not a single movie that would drag me out into a theater right now. Like, not a one. And I think the general public, like... Say what you will about some people who are being idiots and assuming the qu- the quarantine is over. I I don't even know if that's the majority of pop of the population, but even if that is, like that's still a sizable chunk of people who won't be going to a movie theater under any circumstance. Oh yeah, and like most of the people I follow on Twitter are not going out of their way to go see Tenet in a theater. Yeah, and even like if you look at the general public, like the general public doesn't go to movies that often, even under non-pandemic circumstances. If they do go, it's to see like the biggest, like an Avengers or a Star Wars movie, because that's kind of what they recognize and that's what their kids want to see. They're not going to go see Tenet necessarily. What kid would want to go see Tenet? I don't, I think, yeah, that's not, it's not, yeah, that's not a general audience movie. Well, it kind of is, but well, you know what I mean. The thing is, is that Nolan movies, this is going to sound really patronizing. Um, Nolan movies are... A thinking man's movie for dumbasses? That is very harsh, but I know what you're getting at. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't think of a better way to say it. They appeal to a mass audience while being at least somewhat thoughtful, Mm -hmm. kind of. 
I, I don't think that Inception or Interstellar are necessarily like thought provoking pieces of cinema that we need to hail for the next like 50 years. I think the most interesting part of either of those two movies is their visual aspect, which I will I will give that to them. But I think the impact of those movies has definitely gone down like over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I mean, the last, what, 40 minutes of Interstellar, I absolutely love. Uh -huh. Even if it is directly aping off of 2001, I still really love it. And then there's parts of Interstellar I fucking hate. Like, and the thing is, is like, again, we, and we've talked about this too. Like, I don't, like the only Christopher Nolan movie that I think either of us don't like, and spoilers for the inevitable episode, is The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises is really bad. That's the only Christopher Nolan movie that I would say is like really, really, really bad. Yeah, like same with me. I, it's the only one I actively dislike. Everything else I think is fine. I don't like Interstellar either, but everything else I at least like. Like, I would at least give, like, uh, a 6 or a 7 out of 10 to. Like, uh, mind you, yeah. I haven't seen every one of his movies, so that's another another thing to take into account. Like And, like, but the only movies of him that I would say I love are Insomnia, Batman Begins, and Dark Knight. I wouldn't say Batman Begins or Dar and Dark Knight are perfect movies. I just really like them. Like, honestly, honestly, like, I kind of get why people like Christopher Nolan, though, because to an extent, I think I'm the same way with Denis Villeneuve, even though I think Denis Villeneuve is, like, legitimately incredible at what he does. Uh, he also his movies are also like actually fucking thought-provoking yeah like i think christopher nolan this is gonna sound extremely patronizing i think christopher nolan is kind of the more more not to say that villeneuve isn't but the more commercially viable less th less thought-provoking version of denis villeneuve and the Which thing is is like i think a lot of denis villeneuve's films haven't done that well financially like blade runner 2049 did terrible Oh, right. I forgot that it didn't do well. And uh, I bet you anything, Dune's probably going to flop too. I mean, it depends what they do with the rollout at this point, but I wouldn't I wouldn't have said that was going to be the biggest movie of the year. I honest to God think that Dune is probably, I'm not going to say it's going to tank, but it's going to be a huge disappointment for Warner Brothers, I think, regardless of the pandemic. Like, I, I think it's going to be another Blade Runner 2049 situation, maybe a little bit better, but... I mean, I hope it does well. I really like Denis Villeneuve, like I mentioned. Oh, yeah, no, I really like him, too. And I'm pissed that, like, Blade Runner 2049 didn't do that well, because it's a fucking great movie. It's fantastic. Anyway, back to Christopher Nolan, like, I think another thing that has been especially aggravating about the Tenet situation is Christopher Nolan's hand in it. It's tempting to just say this is all in the studio, because in a lot of cases it is, but Christopher Nolan has a massive say in how this movie is put out and he has a stake in it too i think he has he takes away i don't know what the percentage but i'm pretty sure he does take away part of the uh first day box office yeah i think uh, it's 20 percent. yeah and he's been insistent that no tenet cannot be released on vod where i actually would definitely watch it it must be released in theaters this the, it, i will not dilute the purity of the cinematic experience. I'm paraphrasing, but this is essentially what he said. We run a pretty pro-art program here, mm -hmm. but I think Christopher Nolan needs to kind of stop sucking his own dick and be responsible here. I'm sorry that your artistic vision for this probably pretty good sci-fi movie isn't stirring me out of the movie and back into theaters where I can possibly die. Like, I'm sorry it's not doing that for me, but no fucking way like get get the fuck out get your head out of your own ass <laughs> honestly what i think they should have done from the beginning just to save everyone some time okay if he doesn't want to release it on vod fine if we want to play that game so fucking be it i don't necessarily care if you want it to be in theaters then here's what you do delay it indefinitely and wait until this whole thing kind of blows over 
Yeah, and if if Warner Brothers really is losing that much money on marketing, they should stop marketing it. Yeah, because, they really yeah, they really should stop marketing this fucking movie. Because let's be real, the only way this movie is going to have even a shot of breaking even is when it's released at the absolute earliest next summer. And that's the yeah. absolute earliest. Mm-hmm. Like it, a lot there's a lot of variables there, but that is the absolute earliest. Like we've like we've said already, Christopher Nolan's one of those directors that everybody knows by name at this point that isn't Quentin Tarantino or Martin Scorsese. Yeah. We all know who Christopher Nolan is. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the people who know who Christopher Nolan is already want to see the movie regardless of a trailer. Yeah. Like they could have probably released this thing without doing any fucking marketing and it probably would have done well. Oh, I'm sure it would have done fantastic just based on the sudden hype alone. Yeah, like, as soon as you say, new Christopher Nolan movie, yeah, the general public is fucking ready. Yeah. So it's not like they needed to do a shitload of marketing. And some of the marketing was fucking dumb, too. Like, why are they debuting a trailer on fucking Fortnite? That is the most brain-dead shit I've ever seen. (laughs) Like, like, that was, like, peak, we're trying to appeal to the IMDb fan base that made Dark Knight the number one movie on IMDb ever for, like, two weeks. Yeah, great. This that's really gonna want me. This would make me break quarantine. Is watching John David Washington floss dance or whatever the fuck. Like that, <laughs> awesome dude. And I feel like it, most of Christopher Nolan's audience is like, yeah, sure. There there are some of those kids that you mentioned, but like I think it's also a lot of like younger millennials too that have kind of grown out of a lot of the spamming IMDb stuff at this point. So I don't know why Fortnite oh, yeah. was was the marketing gimmick they chose to go for. Honestly, like. Christopher Nolan's demographic is literally r slash movies. Yeah. Oh, d- yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's that's true. r slash movies is the Christopher Nolan fan base. Yeah, like, that's Christopher Nolan's fan base. The movie's going to make a shitload of money off that alone, and the general public on top of that. Yeah. So why they are still marketing this movie, why they don't just pull it off the schedule and just hold on to it until... Yeah, like you said, at the earliest next summer, which, fine, whatever. But it seems like it's just this weird, like, cock-measuring contest in a way, race to see who gets their movie to bring people back to theaters first. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing. Like, every other studio has ceded ground. And you might except say, like, for Except for Disney, because they still want to release the New Mutants, apparently. Yeah, I, I guess New Mutants is like contractually obligated to go out in theaters or something. I have the I have the feeling it's going to be a little bit in theaters, but mostly on VOD at this point. Yeah, That's like I I think what they're going to end up announcing in the next month, mm-hmm. if not the next three weeks, is that it's going to be in theaters for about a week, and then it's going to drop on Disney Plus in September. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of movie that would actually do fucking great on VOD, just because. So, oh like, yeah. That like it's not so much the movie itself, although I actually think the trailers look really good, but mm. it's the fact that this this movie has like become a meme. New Mutants has become a meme at this point. Oh yeah. <laughs> because of like, are we even really sure it exists at this point? It's been delayed <laughs> for I think two years. It's yeah, it's been about two years now. Yeah, so I think New Mutants is gonna do really fucking well if it do- it goes out on VOD. So I would strongly suggest that. Yeah, I don't know why they aren't caving in and doing that. What I was saying was, like, the fact that all all the studios are kind of, like, vacating that area except for New Mutants, that should be a massive red flag. Uh-huh. Because maybe they're thinking, oh, fuck yeah, we've cornered the market. 
No, it just means the other studios are smart enough to know that nobody's going to go to a movie theater. That that They're playing a very dangerous game of chicken. Kind of so are the movie theaters, to be quite honest, because there is this kind of like desperation, I think, especially in the major chains. You know, they need new movies to, to support being open because they're not going to get by on just showing old shit repeatedly. So they want new movies to come out, but they can't really do that if restrictions are in place and the studios need theaters to show their movies. But it's just this weird kind of death spiral. I, I don't know if you knew this already, Stefan, but the city center's... The city center theater by my place, mm-hmm. they closed again. Doesn't surprise me. I, I don't give it long for until Cineplex closes too. Oh yeah, they're gonna fucking close. Like they're gonna they're gonna hold out a little longer because Cineplex is not a smart company, but no. they're they're gonna close too because like they've only been sh- there. I don't expect them to only show old movies for another month until Tenet comes out. Yeah, like, like I, I mean that's unsustainable. Yeah, like, do you want to know what movies are currently playing at the St. Albert Landmark right now? Oh, tell me. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, E.T., Nightmare on Elm Street, some movie called Abe, some movie called Target Number 1, Trolls World Tour, The Invisible Man, Jurassic Park, The Avengers, Mamma Mia, Sex and the City, the movie. Okay. Um, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. It's the extended cut, I think. Uh, Shrek. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, Labyrinth, The Karate Kid, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Friday the 13th. You know, movies that I can watch for the most part at fucking home. Yeah, also that. <laughs> like, like, the, fuck. Like, I kind of get, like, smaller theaters. Like, I think the Metro is kind of doing a similar thing, but with much less screenings, obviously. Um, uh, right now, what the Metro is doing, because they're, like, doing a mix of old and new. Next Saturday, they're doing Do the Right Thing. Recently, they um, they did screenings of Kelly Reichardt's new movie called First Cow. Oh, I really want to see that. Yeah, I really want to watch it too. It's also on VOD, so I'm just going to yeah, watch there it you go. walking home. Yeah, yeah um, no, I, I, I saw that it was on VOD yesterday, yesterday. I was like, oh, good. <laughs> and like, I want to support the smaller theaters too. And the thing is, like, the Metro is such an easy theater to social distance in. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, I imagine the Metro is probably, like, much safer than the big theaters. Oh, yeah, like, the Metro and the Princess are much safer. Okay, so for an idea of their seating, so there's a bottom level that has about 250 seats-ish, maybe a little more than that, maybe 300. Maybe a little. Yeah. 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 And then there's a second level, like a little balcony area that has another couple hundred seats in there. Like, it's so fucking easy to social distance in that theater. So, like, if if either of us were to go back to a theater, it would probably be that one. I'm not I'm not close to that, but I'm, I'm so much closer to going to the Metro than Cineplex or Landmark. I would go back to the Metro and the Princess sooner than I would go back. Again, because the Princess is easy to social distance in, too. If you were on the main level of the Princess, you would be able to social distance no problem in that theater. Yeah. But the thing is, is like with the Cineplexes and the Landmarks, it's like they have maybe half of that seating. There's no upper balcony levels. You just hope to God you don't sit next to someone with COVID. Yeah. And like, because those are smaller rooms too, rooms too, like a lot of people are like breathing the same air. Oh, yeah. 
I imagine like it's kind of it's not the same necessarily because I think like movie theaters are a little better in this regard, but like it's kind of the same effect as like you know how in airplanes like everybody is breathing the same air and for the whole flight, so like it's very it's relatively common that people get sick after after airplane flights. Kind of the same effect. Granted, movie theaters are usually bigger and less compressed than airplanes, but or not bigger, but less compressed than airplanes, but it's the same idea. Anyway, the point uh, of this is saying Tenet is going to bomb hard. Because again, it's not just us that don't want to go to a fucking theater. Yeah, I, th I think like Scott Mendelson maybe uh, tweeted something along the lines of, wouldn't it be, it's going to be ironic to see uh, Tenet actually destroy the movie industry. <laughs> I, I, I imagine this would kind of have a really negative effect. Maybe, maybe it won't destroy the movie industry, but like, that's kind of a big hit for Warner Brothers, if depending on how much they lose off it. Mm -hmm. Especially if it costs 800 million fucking dollars. And I think the other thing people need to keep in mind, too, and this is going to be a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow, movie theaters are pretty much dead. Yeah. If you think that movie theaters are going to be around in 2030, I'm sorry yeah. they're not. Like, yeah, you like... might have the independent theaters here and there. I think the independent theaters might still be around, because, like, I think... Uh... They kind of have like that kind of retro appeal that I think at mm -hmm. this point is kind of keeping Metro and Princess alive is the fact that like not so much the movie selection, although that might be part of it, but like that's definitely part of it. Yeah. Uh, but also like it's this retro appeal of going to a movie theater that's like 100 years old, which is yeah. a really cool experience. That That's like the biggest draw for me, aside from the movie selection, is like, yeah, it's really cool to be in a movie theater that has stood for over 100 years. And honestly, yeah, like, it'll be the independent theaters that survive because of the A, the retro vibe, and B, I definitely think this plays a bigger role than you think, especially with the Metro. Mm -hmm. Is there movie selection? Oh, no, the, no I, I don't I didn't mean to downplay that. The Metro is a great yeah. selection. <laughs> whoever, whoever the programmers are there are fucking incredible. That's not the kind of charm that a big theater like Cineplex can, uh, can depend on. Like, the only charm to be found in Cineplex, and I generally do enjoy going to movies at the Cineplex, but, like, it's not comparable, is, like, this kind of kitschy, hyper-corporate feel to it, down to the fact that you pay $20 for a fucking popcorn. It's just nowhere near as pleasant of an experience. Like I'm personally nostalgic for it because I would like do the, I would just go down there like every Friday after high school. But hmm. most people do not have extremely fond memories of the Cineplex itself. Many people do have fond memories of theaters like The Princess or Garneau. Yeah, like I I remember seeing Mulholland Drive at the Garneau. I remember standing out there in the dead of winter, the freezing fucking cold, waiting for the princess to open their doors so I could go see Inherent Vice opening night when I was in high school. Yeah. It is a little more of a communal feel, too. Like, the people who run both theaters obviously have a passion for film. Their programming selections are incredible. Yeah, sometimes they pick, like, some commercial stuff that I wouldn't go see, but, you know, you gotta pay the bills somehow. Whereas Cineplex, it just feels... It feels very... It's corporate. It's corporate. Yeah, it, it feels soulless. Yeah. Which, in turn, is extremely corporate. The best way to put it, I think, is you go to the Princess and the Metro or Garneau, or whatever you want to call it, for the totality of your experience. Mm -hmm. You go to the Cineplex solely for the movie. Nobody enjoys being in a Cineplex theater. The movie might be great. You're not there for the theater. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, with the Metro or Garneau, whatever you want to call it, and the Princess, you're there for the experience. Mm-hmm. Also, their snacks are fucking cheaper. 
I'll, which is a big draw. I'm not going to lie. Huge. Yeah, it's a huge draw. But yeah, uh, anyway, going back to Tenet, because we're talking about nice things and I just want to get back to being mean. I don't see Tenet coming out this year. If they do put it out this year, it's going to fucking tank. Yeah. And movie theaters are going to fucking die. I think like uh, if Chris, if Christopher Nolan wants to preserve the fucking theater experience, he should be completely behind delaying Tenet. I think his insistence on whatever the fuck it is he's doing is irresponsible. I think he's absolutely well. Him and Warner Brothers. I want to be very clear. It's not just him. They they are being irresponsible. They are kind. They are toying with people's lives here. Like, oh yeah, we were the first movie to reopen in the summer. We lost seven hundred million dollars, probably more, and like we single handedly tanked the industry. But you know, we were the first. I think a lot of movies are going to start doing what um, United Artists is doing with uh, Bill and Ted. Yeah. What they're doing with Bill and Ted, where they're going to put it in select theaters and it's going to go on VOD simultaneously. Yep. I just, I just wish they had all just made the decision to do that. Quite frankly, I, I don't, I don't like this, this shit hanging over our heads like this. I, I just want people to stop talking about Tenet at this point. Like, I'm sure the movie's fine. I just want people to stop talking about it. I honestly think that movie is going to come out. And because everyone is either excited or whatever for it, they're going to watch it. I bet you anything, 90% of the people that are going to come out of that theater went, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Not worth dying for. I guess speaking of movies that got delayed indefinitely, just put A Quiet Place 2 on VOD. Yeah, I I think think that's a movie that would also do really well on VOD. I don't know why they're kicking the can down the road, especially because next summer is going to be really crowded at this rate. But yeah, like if if you honest to God think that Wonder Woman's coming out this year, it's not. If you think that Dune's coming out this year, it's not. No. Um, Like we're probably not going to see any new releases until I'm putting money on next May at the earliest. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I if, think that's maybe that's, next April, but that's pushing it. I think it's May if everything breaks right. It needs to go very right, which it's not trending that way right now. <laughs> no, uh, no, like look at what's going on in the states. Yeah, no kidding. That's another thing that I I saw this on actually go figure r slash movies, but like oh boy, but I was I was surprised to get a good opinion off r slash movies. Somebody commented that like. If it comes to an American city that has lifted restrictions, doesn't that just mean that like people from cities where those restrictions are still on are gonna drive in to watch it? Like, mm-hmm. there, I, I don't, ima- I don't know how much people that would be to be to be sure, but like there would be some kind of migration because like some people are really into Christopher Nolan, and they will do that, and like that's that should be really worrying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, not not that they like Christopher Nolan, but the fact that they would travel to uh, to do that and possibly infect areas that are doing pretty well. Like if they were to do like some sort of simultaneous theater release for the cities that are doing well and VOD release for cities that are uh, that are not, and just like that would be a little more understandable. Like I wouldn't do that, but that would be a little better. As is, like, <sighs> what can I say? But. Y- it's just a really bad idea. Yeah, like there, there's only two acceptable options here, and they're not going for either. Delay the movie indefinitely, or put it on fucking VOD. Yeah, because I'm sorry, like the theater experience is not worth it. And like, it would surprise me if it is better on a big screen, because a lot of Christopher Nolan's movies are. But if 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 that's so, if that's such a fucking driving factor, 
Like, release it on VOD and then do a theatrical release later when it's safe. Because people will go to that. Like, I, I might go to that if I think if I like the movie and think, wow, this would be so much better on a big screen. Like, I would probably go if I was safe, if I felt safe. Like, I don't know. They're just insisting on this, like, kind of morbid game of chicken. And ugh, it, it's it's not going to end well. At best, it's going to be a neutral. It's, at, at best, the movie bombs and, like, it doesn't really have a negative effect on public health. At worst, yeah. it has an effect on people's health and fuck. Yeah. And th- I want to be very clear. This could be the greatest movie of all time and I would be saying the same thing. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> look at Edgar Wright. Again, someone else who's very, like, for the theater experience. Uh-huh. He delayed his movie indefinitely. If, if you're that hell-bent about the theater experience... Hell, if you want to make a decent 20% first dollar gross... And I think that's an incredibly cynical and shitty thing in general that he's getting that. But if you want that 20% to matter... F- fucking delay it! Yeah, exactly. We're, we're broken records at this point. But like at this point, like Christopher Nolan is going to lose a shitload of money on this, like personally... I'm not his fucking bookkeeper or anything, but I would imagine that's probably the case. Yeah, I think that kind of yeah. sums it up. Delay the fucking movie. Don't put it out this year. It's not worth it. I like. I know that places like I think South Korea, like they reopen their movie theaters and uh, their movies are getting pretty popular. Like they released some um, Peninsula, the sequel to mm-hmm. Train to Busan. And that did really well. But South Korea is the exception to the rule here. Like not many countries are as fortunate as South Korea at this point. Yeah. You can't count on that shit. And that's the thing is we haven't even gotten our second wave yet. If it's not, if it hasn't started yet, it's going to be really fucking bad. Because it, oh yeah, because it's already getting kind of bad in Alberta specifically, and I think the only places in Canada that have really controlled it, actually, most places in Canada have more or less controlled it. It's more so Alberta, Quebec, and Ontario, and I would imagine yeah. it's definitely the urban parts of Alberta, Quebec, and Ontario. Well, and I think a lot of it too comes down to the fact that, especially in the case of Alberta, we opened too fucking early. Oh my god, yeah. Like, Calgary was still, like, in dire, dire straits, and we reopened. Yeah. Uh, and now Edmonton is not doing... I think I think the, Edmonton is doing kind of bad right now. And, like, unfortunately, the, yeah. the government sent the message that everything was okay, so a lot of people are like, okay, that's, COVID is over, whatever. And, like, I'm not going to say that's a good reflection on them, but I think it's a worse reflection on the government. Yeah, I... I kind of think we've kind of gone over everything we need to say about it oh yeah i think we're i think we're officially broken records at this point so yeah the things you should be getting from this are fuck movie theaters fuck christopher nolan fuck warner brothers delay tenet delay everything till next year put out the movies that are mid-budget on vod jesus christ this isn't hard yeah it it really is that simple isn't it Mm mm-hmm it's kind of laying bare, like kind of the voracious nature of this industry where like they've gotten used to these massive, massive profits. Mm-hmm. And so like in a year where that is just not going to happen, like the, the most profitable movie is still is going to be Bad Boys 3 at the end of the year. They, they get really fucking anxious about it because like, oh, fuck, we've grown. We've gotten such a dependence on it. We need to recoup this somehow. But that's just not going to happen. Maybe ever. Maybe ever. No at this point. So. Yeah, this is the this is the death spiral of a of a of a dying industry. Oh yeah, like I think my bold predictions are the the ninety day theatrical window is going to shrink significantly mm-hmm. in the next couple of years. Yep.
Okay, hello. Um, it's nice to hear me say that, and then, you know, literally the next day, AMC and Universal made that agreement to shrink the theatrical window down from 90 days to 17 days. I love being right sometimes, guys. Anyway, uh, where were we again? I think more movies are going to be going up, going to be on VOD in the next few years. And I think movie theaters are going to be gone by 2030 at least. Yep. Uh, I, I, I can get behind that, I think. Yeah. We might have talked about this before, but like I, when movie theaters did shut down af after a couple months, mm -hmm. I made a list of all the movies I watched last year in a theater. You know how many I still would have gone to see in the theater? Can I can I try to guess them? Sure. Parasite. Yeah, no, that's correct. Yeah, that's a, that's an easy that's a given. No, uh, that was a given. Tiger, Tigers are not afraid. Yeah. Uh, Uncut Gems. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncut Gems. I think there's actually more like five or six. There's a couple okay. I'm forgetting. Maybe I'll stop. Maybe I'll stop guessing. <laughs> um, but yeah, Uncut Gems for sure. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would have been another one. Unless I'm missing something, I'm pretty sure that's it. It, it's just an experience that gets less and less essential the more time goes on. Yeah. Oh, oh, I would have, I would have gone to see Rocket Man. Still. Oh yeah. Because yeah. that movie is really fucking pretty. I would have seen Us absolutely. Um, The Farewell if it was playing at the Metro. Um, and John Wick Three, maybe Midsummer, and that's it. Irishman. Oh yeah, right. It, why isn't this on my 2019 list? Yes, yes, absolutely, The Irishman. Yeah, I, I think like I can echo all of those. Like, I saw Pain and Glory and really liked it, but I wouldn't say that's a necessary theater experience. And that's out of the, I don't know, 30 or 40-some-odd films that I saw last year? That's a small fucking number. Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're done at this point, though. I think we're done. Uh, I think yeah. I think we can abandon ship. We're ready to disengage with this today's episode of uh, Some Bad News. Actually, first, we gotta get uh, one more word in, um, because joining us now, live via Zoom, is our senior botany correspondent, Cole McDougall. Cole? Well, thanks, Chris. Um, I just wanted to take a second to say hi, Craig. Fuck you! Mr. Brother Giark was around. Is Craig like your ex-lover or something, Cole? He could be. You don't know. Could and you be. know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the fucking story, does it? Well, I mean, I mean, while you're on the air, anything is news now, so why don't you... Why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Craig? He never did anything. Hmm. Can I tell you that? He never did anything. You'd, you'd fucking call him and you just wouldn't show up. I don't know how to stay classy while saying this. You know what I mean? Like an old stay classy San Diego kind of vibe. Stay classy Seattle. Stay classy. Can I say copyrighted shit on your show? Is that copyrighted? I don't even know. Are copyright laws even a thing? You know what? Fuck it. They're not. I'm just going to say that. Fuck your copyright laws, Craig, because I'm pretty sure he's the one that makes them. So anyways, yeah, after I killed him, uh, I was talking to uh, Giark. That's Craig's twin brother named after the uh, tradition of naming one your, one of your twins front ways and one of your twins back ways, you know what I mean? What, what, what culture is that from, Cole? Fucking Greek or some shit. Spartan, maybe? Nobody's Spartan anymore, right? Do you have any Spartan people listening to your show? Any Spartan people listening? Leave, leave a like in the comments. Do you do payroll? Does anybody fucking do payroll around here? When am I getting my goddamn check? That's that's my secret cap. You don't. I at least want the snacks I was promised. This is bullshit. I was promised Skittles, I think. Filled with fruity flavor. Cole, why don't you tell us a little bit about botany? I don't know. I grew a fucking flower over the summer. I tell you about that. I have one flower. That's it. That's that's all that's happening in botany ever. The fucking the movie Wally is an actual. That's 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 canon. That's that's uh, lore friendly to the world. There's only one flower left. 
It's in that boot. I grew it. It's on my windowsill. Oh, yeah. Um, What kind of flower is it, Cole? It's a fucking orchid. Are you sure it's an orchid? Um, orchids are green with a flower on top, right? Cole, be honest with me. Did you just Google the word orchid? You don't know my Google search history. You're not Mark Zuckerberg. So, no, I didn't. I know what an orchid is. That was when I got my degree in, in botany. I'm a, I'm a botaner. Do you think the flowers can get coronavirus? I 100% do think they can get coronavirus. I've seen it with my own eyes, Chris. Um, I also, as a, as a botaner, I own uh, one magnifying glass. And so I used that to look at the flowers, and I saw coronavirus on the flower. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're going to say, Cole, they don't have lungs. And I'm going to say, yeah, exactly. Except they do breathe, right? So they got lungs somewhere. So my theory for flowers is that there's just a pair of lungs fucking dug underneath in the, in the, in the soil. Like someone ripped the lungs out of my chest, like my ex-wife, and then they fucking plunged them into the ground. Was your ex-wife's name Craig by chance? How the fuck did you know that? Tell me how you knew that. Are you Mark Zuckerberg? No, I'm 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 not Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Cole, are you okay? If you're goddamn Mark Zuckerberg, you better fucking tell me. It's like police when they're undercover. If I ask you, you have to tell me the truth. It doesn't make me sound like an idiot. Police are watching, Chris. They put cameras and birds or something. I'm telling you, they're watching. And now Mark Zuckerberg is the ringleader. They're taking away your freedoms, Chris. I, I, I think that's that's enough of your ramblings for the day. Um, it was a pleasure to talk to you as always, Cole. Thanks, Chris. We'll see you at the weekly meeting. All right, that was uh, that was fucking bizarre. I mean, uh, senior botany correspondent Cole McDougall with the uh, botany report. Flowers. Is that gonna be? Is that gonna be how we end the episode? <laughs> um. Oh wait, we got. I guess we got to do our. Uh... Yeah, we gotta do our crappy. We yeah, we gotta do our laid out. Um. Oh. Okay. Um. Stefan, do you want to do it? Because I do it all the time. Yeah, I feel like I haven't done it in a while. Uh, so thanks for listening to some bad news, and thanks for listening to Sequel Decay. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, Decay Sequel, and you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find the podcast on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Apple Music, as well as Stitcher. Uh, you can also you will also find a link to our Patreon and our email there. Uh, what am I missing? You mentioned Apple three fucking times, and I'm very confused as to why. Apple, iTunes, and Apple Music. First of all, Apple Music doesn't have podcasts, I don't think. Second of all, there's a podcast app through iTunes. I don't know why you didn't just say Apple once. Google Play. Did I just fucking zone out for a minute? Yeah, you said and, and you said Google Play when it's Google Podcasts. Did you even mention Spotify? No, I didn't mention <laughs> Let me start over and try to brush over my complete ineptitude. Uh, so we are Sequel Decay. You can find yep. us on Twitter, at Decay Sequel. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find the podcast itself, and I'm going to go real slow here, <laughs> on Anchor, Google Podcast, uh, iTunes, Spotify, and uh, did I already say Anchor? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Stitcher uh, as well as as well as Stitcher. Uh, you can also find a link to our Patreon and our email uh, in the description down below, uh, as well as a link to some bail funds that are would be good to donate to.
Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I I think that's that's all we have for our terrible fucking sideshow. We're that about okay. We're we're about six episodes away from selling this off to Viacom and uh, uh, trying to run for Emmys. Oh fuck! I can't wait. <laughs>